So over the last uh, two or three times that I've been speaking, been looking at 1 Peter, the book of 1 Peter. Now this is a, a letter that uh, Peter writes to um, people, um, here we go, on the map. So if you see where Judea is on the right-hand side, and then uh, Peter was writing to all these people in Cappadocia and Galatia and Asia, um, Mycenae, he was writing to those people. And uh, this was significant for them for this simple reason is that they were away from home. They, uh, through persecution for the start of the early church, about 30 years after Jesus ascended back to heaven, so the church had been going for about 30 years, many of them had been kind of scattered through persecution, and they ended up about 800 miles, 1,000 miles away from Jerusalem. So this was an interesting time for them, and, and Peter is addressing the scattered church. Emily, you couldn't just pass my glasses, could you? There you go. How smooth and professional is that? There we go. <laughs> Thanks. Wonderful. So, uh, there they are. Now, it's not as if they're the only people that at times feel as if they're scattered. Because we're just going to put the next slide on. And uh, basically, Neil Hudson, who wrote this great book, Imagine, on 1 Peter. And he says something like this um, for the church. is that kind of, if you imagine that um, there's all these people around, the big square of all these people, and then there's kind of us in red in the corner. We're kind of the gathered church. We gather occasionally. We gather corporately like this. It's very important for us to gather. And, and uh, in our connect groups that we have fellowship, we build each other up. Because, the next slide he's, he illustrates, is that because the rest of the week, we're kind of scattered as well. So it's not just these early Christians that have been scattered because of persecution. But during the day, most days of the week, most times of the week, we're not here. Or we're not in our connect groups. We might connect with each other online. But we are scattered as well. So we can join in and learn for what Peter is trying to say to those early believers and what this book of the Bible, 1 Peter, says to us uh, today as well. So just to recap on one or two things that we've covered in the first two weeks, he wanted them to know that even though they were hundreds of miles away from home, and even though we might feel scattered midweek, God has made his home within our lives, which is a wonderful thing. He is always with us. If, it means, you know, if he says that we follow him, it means that he's been there before us. So before you get to university, he's there before you. Before you get to school, he's there before you. Before you get to work, he's there before you. Because we follow him. He's there already. And he has made his home with us. So Peter's trying to make that clear. Peter's also trying to make it clear, even though it was a place that they might not prefer to be, there might be times when you prefer not to be at work. I can't imagine. It might be the case. It might be the case. But Peter said that even though you're in a place you might not prefer to be, this will be a place of God's blessing. This will be a place of God's blessing. This is a place where God wants to bless you. It's not just here on a Sunday that God wants to bless us. Wherever we be, when we're scattered, God wants to bless us. And I was reading quite recently from uh, Genesis and the call of Abraham. And Abraham, God says this, Leave your country and your people and go to the land I show you, and I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. So Abraham, God is saying to Abraham, you might not choose to go where I'm sending you now, 
but I will definitely bless you. And Abraham was 75 years old at that point as he went to, uh, out to Canaan. And somebody once says this, you're, you're too old, not according to age, but when you're faced your last challenge. That's when we kind of passed it, and you can be past it at any age if we don't respond to the things that God has got for us. And some of these can be challenging. Because thirdly, Peter also brings out that even though they were scattered in a place where they might not prefer, this is where their faith was going to grow. Their faith was not only going to grow in the good times. And later on in his book, in chapter 4, jumping a little bit here, he says this, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the trial that you're suffering as though something strange was happening because trials do happen. Challenges do come. But he goes on to say something quite challenging. But rejoice that you are being insulted for the name of Christ. They were being persecuted. You will be blessed. You will be blessed because of this. And Neil Hudson in his book, he says this, we've not become Christians to escape the complexities of the world, nor has Jesus promised to turbo boost us through difficult moments in life. It just doesn't happen that way. But it's a place where we can feel at home in Christ. It's a place where we can know God's blessing, and it's a place where we can make uh, faith will grow. And fourthly, uh, just to recap, it's a place where they were called to make a difference. They weren't just there uh, to be blessed. (laughs) They were there to make a difference. And in verse 12, uh, chapter 1, Peter says this, When the prophet spoke of this wonderful gospel that they now have, centuries before you became Christians, it was revealed that they were not serving themselves, but you. They were not serving themselves, but you. So the prophets in the Old Testament that foretold the gospel, they didn't fully understand it, but they were serving us. They were serving those who were becoming Christians in the early church because Peter is, is using this as an example that the we're here, where we're placed, doesn't just serve us, does serve us, but it serves other people as well. And Peter's given all these things as to, you know, God knows where you are, where you're placed, and you, he will make his home with you. Your faith will grow. You will be blessed and you will make a difference. And he covers all that in the first 12 verses. Amazing. It's amazing, the book of the Bible, isn't it, that they can write a few chapters and say so much. Amazing, amazing. So he, he gives these first 12 verses, and I've just recapped it. I hope you picked up on it. And then, after verse 12, he says this, Therefore, therefore, you know, I used to love Bible teachers who just picked out one word because they sounded so spiritual intelligent. <laughs> and I'm going to do it today. Therefore. Therefore. You heard it here for, I mean, therefore. Therefore. I hope that's blessed you. <laughs> there you go. So what he's saying is, he's not saying this is a great introduction and great greeting, but it was a great introduction, a great greeting. And he says all these things, and he says... Therefore, therefore what? Okay, we're going to pick it up, uh, three, four or five verses, I'm going to read from verse 13 to 16. 1 Peter uh, chapter 1. So he does this introduction, then he says, therefore, and this is what he says, therefore, 
with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as you who, who is called is holy, so he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. So just as you were called to be holy, sorry, just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. So Peter is saying we have to reflect our faith wherever we are, even if it's in a place that we wouldn't necessarily choose at that moment in time. Therefore, prepare your minds for action, because this is an action. Being holy, honoring God in our faith is an action that we put into practice. And somebody once says this, the picture of this, where he says, therefore, and set your minds, is this. That, so the tone of it is that is a picture of one gathering to, together a garment and tucking it into a belt uh, so that your progress isn't impeded. So basically today we might say, roll up your sleeve. But basically you don't want something to hinder your progress. Now, some of my family are uh, Indian. Uh, my sister's side of the family, they're Indian and uh, got nieces and nephews and they're fantastic. And they're at the age where they've been getting married and one of them was over in, um, well, actually, they didn't get married in India. They got married at uh, Victoria Falls. So uh, it was a privilege of doing this wedding on the, on the beach there. And um, the thing about an Indian wedding is that you need a lot of outfits because there's a lot of events. You can't just wear one thing. So, you know, like a typical bloke, five events. Well, I've got a suit. I've had a suit for 30 years. I can just wear that. Wasn't going to go down. They wanted me to have this Indian outfit. And so they asked for the measurements, my chest measurements, um, and uh, so for the, a shirt and for a waistcoat. And all the way leading up to the wedding, I was thinking, what about the trousers? Do they not want my trouser measurements? And I was a little bit confused. Now, they had this image, this picture of the waistcoats, and we could pick all kinds of different colors. Mine was kind of green. It was, yeah, I'll show it you one day. And that the shirt, and give my measurements. So I got there. They got the shirt, and I got the waistcoat. And it wasn't until the evening before the wedding, we got the trousers. Now, you see why they didn't need any measurements for anybody on the face of the planet. And um, they're like goalposts, aren't they? You can play five-a-side with these. I don't kind of... Anyway, I don't want to break, you know. It's just, just fantastic. So the next day, I try my best to put them on and gather the material from the, from the four corners of the earth and uh, wrapped it around. And, and, and thankfully, it has kind of got this kind of belt that you kind of pull and... Um, Tightens up because you couldn't really conduct a wedding with, you know, a bit difficult anyway. 
So you need a bit of a belt to gather in. And that's what this is saying here. It's kind of, don't everything hang out, just gather it, gather it all in, gather it all in, so you're in a position. And uh, the Bible, doesn't it, it talks about, in James, uh, no, Ephesians, doesn't it, it talks about the armor of God, and particularly talks about the belt, doesn't it? It talks about the belt, and uh, the belt of truth, how important the belt of truth is. And that, that's a very important for us as well, and Peter picks up on this. He said, if we're really going to be alert and on the ball and uh, urgent with what God has called us to do, then this truth is very important because he goes on in verse 24. He says, all men are like grass. The grass, wi- grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And that just stops us being incredibly, you know, those things that would hinder us from going forward. would know what God's good and perfect will is. So God's word is very important. Peter brings that out. Because what he's saying is prepare your minds for action. Living to please God is an action that we need to fulfill. And Peter is trying to say, do not sell yourself short. As followers of Christ, don't sell yourself short. Be who you're meant to be. We're, we're created in the, the image of God, which is amazing, isn't it? And then we're being transformed into his image. So be who you're meant to be. Be uniquely you. Be who you're called to be. And uh, that is what he's trying to say. You have the life of God within you. Don't let the world squeeze that life out of you. Let that flourish within you. Therefore, prepare your minds for action every day. Then it's interesting, as, as Peter continues with his letter, and we're only in chapter 1, Peter goes on to explain that much of how we reflect our faith is how we respond within our different relationships. That will really determine, because for the next few chapters, three or four chapters, he goes through various relationships that those people, um, uh, that would, those different cities that they would have been placed, those Christians, the different relationships that they would be engaging with and that their faith needs to be worked out because our relationships say a lot about our faith. And we're just going to touch on one this morning for the second part of what I'm going to share. I'm not going to cover them all, we'll cover some of them at other times. And the one that he covers is picked up in verse 22 of chapter 1 where he says this, now that you've been, you have purified yourselves by, over, over, uh, by obeying the truth, love one another deeply from the heart. So Peter is pulling up. If you want to be holy as God is holy, if we want to put our faith into practice, then our relationships are important. And our first relationship that Peter picks up on is how we love one another and how Christians engage with each other. Somebody once says that they as believers were to love one another and live in unity so that the unbelieving world might know that the reality of the genuineness of Christ within their lives. That is how people would know. Jesus says this, doesn't he? All men will know that you are my disciples. They'll know that you're a follower of me, first and foremost, by your love, one for another not whether we raise our hands in worship although that's great to do but the world will know the world will know by how you relate to one another now let me say this 
Back in uh, COVID days, we didn't want to catch things because of social distancing. It's very difficult to love one another unless we connect with each other. Socially, we connect with each other. And the Bible talks, doesn't it, that this unity, Peter talks about this unity, and, and in the Psalms he talks about how through the unity that we have, that that's where God commands His blessing. God commands it. And I encourage you, if you are dry spiritually, be where God commands blessing. Be where God commands blessing. And uh, we've got 10 days of prayers. We've got three days to come. Why don't you join us on Tuesday night? We're going to be here to worship. We're going to soak in God's presence. And I think God is so faithful, isn't he, in these promises. He just loves to command his blessing, doesn't he, when we, when we come together in fellowship in that way. So, begin, so Peter begins to indicate the importance of relationships with our faith, and particularly amongst believers. And he then says, therefore, another therefore. I've used it twice. Therefore. He says, therefore, again. So what is, he, what is he getting at this time? Therefore, in chapter 2, verse 1, he says this, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander and of every time, so that you may grow in your salvation. So this is really interesting. So Peter says, to be holy, as, as God says we should be holy like him, Our relationships are important. Our relationship with each other is important as Christians. Therefore, he says, rid yourself of all malice, all deceit, all hypocrisy. Don't be envious of one another. Don't slander um, each other so that you may grow up in your salvation. So Peter is saying, be careful how you talk to one another. Be careful how you think about one another. Be careful how you talk about one another. It's interesting, isn't it? Sometimes you might think, oh, we'd expect something just even more amazing than this. Well, this is important. This is amazing. This is significant. Just be careful how you view each other, how you talk to each other, how you talk about each other. Now, in the Bible, it talks a lot about fools, people who are foolish. And uh, the first obvious one, in Psalm 14, verse 1, it says, The fool in his heart says there is no God. Psalm 14, verse 1 says, The fool in his heart says there is no God. I remember speaking on this on one Sunday morning in a church, and... uh, talking about how the Bible says in Romans that there's so much evidence, even in creation, for God that it says that's why it's foolish to think that God's not there. And I was speaking on this. And at the end, I found out that there was somebody visiting our church that Sunday morning with his fiancée and his mum, both Christians, and he wasn't very happy with my message. And he goes home and he says to them, I'm not very happy. That's how they knew. And he says, that guy this morning, don't know who he thinks he is, he called me a fool. 
because he was an atheist, or said he was. So for the next three or four hours, there's this argument going backwards and forwards between his fiance, his mother-in-law, and him about whether God exists. By that evening, he prayed to invite Jesus into his life. It's amazing, isn't it, what God? Yeah, I didn't mean to offend him, but I'm glad I did. There we go. (laughs) Secondly, the Bible says we God in fools is to say that God exists, but then not to allow him to be central to our lives. In Romans it says that's, that's foolish. It's foolish to believe in God and then worship what God has made rather than God himself. Because he is the one to be forever praised, not the things that he has created. So how can you believe in God and not have him at the center of your life? That must be the most foolish thing that you could possibly do. And Romans kind of tells us that. But thirdly, linking in with what we're saying today, is that um, we're f- people were foolish, according to Proverbs in the Old Testament, by what they say. You can really tell somebody who's daft, who gets it wrong, by saying silly things. So let me give you one or two quotes from Proverbs. The mouths of fools are their undoing, and their lips a snare to their very lives. Secondly, spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. Another one, there's more hope for a fool than someone who speaks without thinking. Another one, fools have no interest in understanding, they only want to air their opinions. Another one of Proverbs, it's, it's one another's, sorry, it's, it's one's honor to avoid strife, but every fool is quick to quarrel. And finally, fools' words get them into constant quarrels. They're asking for a beating. There you go, it's a bit harsh, isn't it? <laughs> but what are you saying? Don't be too argumentative. Now, I love this quote that's not in Proverbs that says this. It's better to keep your mouth closed and be considered a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. And we've all done that. It's interesting in it that Peter picks up this importance of how we relate to each other and a lot of it is to do with what we say. (laughs) Because the book of James, and James talks about this, he says the tongue is also a fire a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of life on fire. If we can control our tongue, we're making a lot of progress. And it's interesting that James goes on to say, that it's amazing, isn't it, that for us as believers, that, that we can have praise and cursing coming out the same mouth. <laughs> you know, worship, you know, like we've done this morning and then this afternoon, whatever we might say to somebody else. It's amazing that that can happen. And I also like the fact that at Pentecost, there was a lot going on. But, they, they, you know, the first gift that seemed to be released was speaking in tongues, wasn't it? It was, you know, the different languages, and it's there for praising and honoring God and praising God with our spirit. Then the second gift that we see at the day of Pentecost is, is prophecy, and how prophecy builds people up. So it's so important that the Holy Spirit wants to engage with our mouths, what we say, how we communicate, how we represent Him with our lives. And, and when Peter says, Be holy, God says, Be holy because I'm holy, what he's saying is what we say has a massive contribution to make within that. 
Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. I remember a few years ago when um, I used to run a lot of events up in the northeast of England and we're really excited because we had possibly the most prominent and um, popular singer-songwriter in the country coming to one of our events. And we could only fit 700 people in. I mean, every chair was, you know, accounted for. And some people we couldn't let in. It was nothing to do with us. He's just, he was so popular at the time. And, and he came and did a gig, did a concert. And uh, he's a committed Christian. But I think he was struggling a little bit. And the spiritual side of it just wasn't quite as strong as we would have liked, I suppose, um, with all the guests there, he still sang well, and yeah, it didn't kind of say things, it kind of didn't go quite as well as what we wanted, even though he was a good musician. And I can honestly say, for months and months, for a couple of years afterwards, when this person's name came up, people would say, oh, they were so, they're so good, such a good singer-songwriter, really blessed me. And to be honest with you, every time his name came up, I would say, yeah... Well, we had him. I told you now, it was a man, wasn't it? Yeah, we had, we had him. They did this, they did that. He was good, but wasn't quite as good as kind of liked. And, and I find it a little bit frustrating that people were saying how good he was. And uh, every time his name came up, I kind of said this. Until, until. You kind of know sometimes when God is speaking to you, don't you? And God very clearly, I had a sense of God saying to me, Phil, change the script. Just change the script. Didn't go quite as well as you wanted, but I still love him. When his name comes up, will he, will he stop saying the same thing? Just change the script. And I think there's times when I think God does want us to change the script, doesn't he? And want us to change our responses to certain situations maybe certain people to hold our tongues a little bit. It's not a case of being right or wrong, is it? I mean, it's about being loving, isn't it? I mean, if we're told to pray for our enemies, we've certainly got to pray for our friends, haven't we? So there's something of a challenge. But there's times I think God encourages us to do that. And God will help us through with this because it's not an easy thing when it comes to the tongue, and he gives us his spirit to reflect his glory. When I, when I first became a Christian, I've only become a Christian once, anyway, when I became a Christian, one of the things that changed straight away overnight was, was swearing and lying. It just kind of, I used to swear a lot, and it just changed overnight. Now, during the day was harder, I've got to admit, but... Uh, no, but it just changed overnight. Just uh, one of those things. But then there's other areas that I really still need to work on. Really still need to work on. And uh, the Apostle Paul says, doesn't he? He says, um, now I know what I should do. And I don't know why I don't do it. There's things I know that I shouldn't do. And I don't know why I still do them. And this is the Apostle Paul. And he says, who will rescue us from this? And then he goes, thanks be to the Lord Jesus Christ who gives us 
the victory. So he does help us through, but we still have to be alert. We still have to be on the ball. We still have to be ready for action. And Peter is saying, therefore, you have a responsibility. Rid yourself of all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy of every kind, so that you may grow in your salvation. It's wonderful, isn't it? It's wonderful that we are a work in progress, aren't we? We are a work in progress. And we should enjoy the fact with this work in progress. And uh, finish with this verse, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. It says, And we, who with unveiled faces, all reflect the Lord's glory. Even though we're not perfect, we reflect the Lord's glory. When I became a Christian, it's because I saw God in other people, but later I found out they weren't perfect. But we reflect the Lord's glory. And we are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Amen. Amen. So we're going to pray together and just reflect on one or two of those points. I'm going to invite the band. They're going to come up and join me. But we'll pray together. So why don't we stand? Why don't we stand? been sitting for a little while. If you're able to stand, makes us a little bit more alert. Maybe you'd like to close your eyes just for a moment as we reflect on one or two thoughts as we draw this together in prayer. I'm not going to continue preaching, but there's a wonderful passage in Isaiah chapter 6 where Isaiah gets his calling from God and he has this vision of the glory of God in the temple, chapter 6. And it's like God having his big robe in the temple of Jerusalem. He's very much in the presence of God and Isaiah, his response was this, I am ruined because I am a man of unclean lips and live among people with unclean lips. And he was just conscious in God's presence of the things that he says that he shouldn't say. And he lived among people who did that. And we don't have to respond and like those around us, but it's interesting that Within his vision, there was an angel that took a coal from the, the, the fiery furnace, from the, from the altar, and came and touched his lips with this coal. And as he did that, he says, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. And maybe this morning, you might not need the same vision, but just... Maybe saying, God, yeah, I need that cleansing here in this area of my life. I use the same script that I might not, should use. (laughs) There's things I pull down that I shouldn't pull down. I can be a little bit argumentative for the sake of it. And God... You know, we can be who we're meant to be. And maybe this morning, if that's you, as we did on Wednesday night in the prayer meeting, maybe, um, maybe just with your hand, just touch your own lips and saying, God, just come and bless this area of my life. This is an area of my life that I just would like to honor you more. I pray for your cleansing. God is not out to get us. He's out to bless us and change us. He's not out to get us. 
say, God, this is something I just want to honor you with what I say. How I represent you, how I talk about other people in the body of Christ. Lord, I pray that you come and cleanse me. Pray you come and refresh me. Maybe that you're saying, Lord, this morning that I'd love to uh, prophesy more and hear from you to build other people up uh, in the faith. Uh, to give words for you. Maybe that's you this morning. Why don't you uh, just touch your lips and say, God, this is saying to you, I want you to use me in these areas of my life. Prophetically, words to build each other up. Lord, we pray that you'd release your spirit upon us. We thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for your cleansing, your blessing. And for those of us who need that forgiveness, that we'd receive that this morning, that cleansing. And uh, yeah, just fresh things to say that are good. And particularly in the area of building people up through words of faith, through giving verses, through giving pictures and prophecy. We pray that you'd release that, Lord, on those that are searching for that and asking for that this morning. Lord, we bless you for our fellowship here. Lord, there's just so much to say that we're blessed by you and blessed by each other. We thank you, Lord, for each other. We pray, Lord, for those who just want to get connected more. We pray for fellowship. We pray for for friendship. We pray, Lord, for those who are new to the area, that you'd bless them greatly, significantly, Lord. We pray in a few weeks they'll look back and say, God, you, you really blessed me with those people and with that encouragement. Lord, we thank you for each other and we commit each other to you in Jesus' name. Amen.